Hello there and welcome to the Disgustingly Healthy Relationship Podcast. I'm Lewis. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts. Beautiful people, it's 2024. We are no longer settling for mediocre, toxic and shitty relationships. Instead, we are choosing healthy, secure and conscious love. Lewis and I are here to challenge and expand you on all fronts when it comes to healthy relationships. So if you're ready for unfiltered conversations and massive impact, then let's play. Hello and welcome back to the show. So you are joined by Lewis and Sarah. Um, Today's topic, welcome to episode three. Episode three. I know. Um, We made it. We did three things. We're doing three things. We did. I know. Oh, yeah. We supposed to have recorded it yet. Yeah. We're doing. We're doing three things. So uh, today's episode is going to be around attachment styles in relationships. Now, we just want to press that we are not clinical psychologists. We're not therapists. We are just want to get across our point of view and what we have done and seen in our relationship and try and make it relatable as possible. Um, back to whoever is listening uh, in the hope that it helps yeah it can be quite a heavy loaded topic on it like attachment styles and what that means and like well we know from research that your attachment style is developed in your early years between not to two and you can go into that in a lot more detail and like unpack why you have your attachment style Uh, but obviously being in the context of healthy relationships we want to just keep it about how we have experienced it, our attachment styles in our relationship and in previous relationships as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't want to keep it too heavy no. like, and make it too loaded. Yeah, no. Keep it. Yeah, we'll keep it light. We'll try it. We'll give you some information which you'll be able to take away and try and implement into your own life even with friendships relationships i'll give you a little tip as well on how i started out doing that too but yeah sure let's get into it so there are four main attachment styles okay so number one is the secure attachment style you're pointing at me because you want me to talk I thought we were going to go like a bing bang ball. I don't know. Okay, Okay, so the first one is... Talk about it if you want. Well, I mean, it's a partnership, maybe. Would you like me to? Let's just do both. Is that why you pointed at me? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, we'll start from the start. So (laughs) there's four attachment styles. Um, The secure attachment... The anxious attachment style, you've got the avoidant, which is like d- dismissive. And then we've, you've got the disorganized, which is like a fearful avoidant. Now. Let's start what, with secure. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with secure. We'll give you a bit of a rundown of what secure is. So a secure attachment style is pretty much someone who has done a bit of the work, is hyper self aware of who they are and how they show up. They're able to validate not only themselves, but their partners in any given situation. Um, they're generally a really safe space to go to and you're able to let down your walls around them. Um, you got anything else to add to that? Yeah, they're comfortable with who they are and what they want and they're not afraid to show that. And to be a secure person or more so like a secure partner is the goal, really. Yeah. People that are like research shows, and this is heavily research based, but like, people that are secure 
in relationships are more likely to be happier in their relationship. So obviously that's naturally why that is the goal is to be more of a secure partner. Uh, sometimes it is because you've done the work. I put in quotation marks. Yeah. Sometimes it is just because of how you were raised and how your parents sort of supported you to have high self-esteem and met your emotional cues, et cetera. But we won't go into that in too much detail, but sometimes I guess it's just accidents of birth that you're a more secure person than others. So yeah, that's the goal essentially. And like, that's what we have been working towards as individuals and in our relationship is towards being secure. Then there are three insecure attachment styles, as Lewis said. So there's, do you want to talk about anxious? Yeah, You'll probably have more to say on that because that's how like we can relate to it. Yeah, I think so. I think with the anxious attachment style, I think uh, you've got to recognize that typically anxious attachment styles tend to lean in quite heavy into any given relationship and they feel quite abandoned whenever their needs aren't met and they're very hypersensitive to rejection mm. and abandonment um so getting clear on that side of things too is a good way to start to identify if you are anxiously attached mm. um i'm just trying to relate it back to what we we, well, we can go we can go into it in like and explain more about how we've experienced it, I guess, through just summary. Yeah, sure. So I think when, I'll give you an example. So whenever I was dating a previous partner, I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I would lean in quite heavy um, because I had maybe not abandonment issues, but I had a deep need of being worthy and my self-worth just wasn't, um where it could have been and I think I needed I needed that love from someone else so I leaned in really heavily what does that mean for someone that doesn't like I know what that means but for someone that doesn't know what leaning in in a relationship means what might that look like for someone uh it might look like texting them all the time Mm. making sure they're okay just checking in um always call maybe not always calling it sounds like harassing (laughs) And definitely not harassment, but um, always calling, trying to make sure that they're okay and just touching base because I was scared to lose them. I think that was a fundamental point Um, because my self-worth was quite low and I always put my previous partners on a pedestal um, and then viewed them as that going through my this attachment style that then made me lean in. So I was super scared to lose them. So I would do anything I could. And I thought the right thing to do was to message and try to talk to them all the time. But it turns out that just really pushed them away. And again, with that attachment style with my previous partner, I think they were exhibiting an avoidant behavior. Um, But yeah, that's, that's what I have experienced and through an anxious attachment style I'm trying to think if there's anything else to add like essentially your attachment styles are how you are how you love or how you perceive are love. loved or how you perceive love yeah um and it's really important to understand them because when you have an awareness of like I guess your childhood how you're raised and how that impacts how you connect with other people you can use that to your advantage to enhance your relationship by I guess ensuring that you're not being overbearing or you're not leaning in too much especially if you are an anxious partner 
um, ensuring that you give them some space if it's needed. Um, I guess it kind of links back to why you'd want to make sure that you've got high self-esteem and high self-worth mm. because someone with high self-esteem and high self-worth is less likely to need to seek that from someone else and as a result, push their partner away for the fear of losing them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so your anxious, an anxious attachment style generally comes from having a parent when you were young or like a primary caregiver when you were younger maybe not be entirely available. So like I said, we don't want to go into this in too much detail, but this might help you to understand which one you are. You you were loved and you could receive love, but maybe one of your parents moved away or left or worked away or uh, wouldn't always meet your emotional cues or was quite distant and maybe a bit self-absorbed. And so you learned that love could be subjective and you learned that you may only get loved if you behave in a certain way or act in a certain way. For example, if I'm a quiet good girl, then I might get loved. Or if I am sensitive to a parent's emotional needs and can learn to read whether they are in a good mood or a bad mood, then I might get loved. Um, if I'm uh, more attentive, maybe they won't go away. Maybe they went away because I'm not good enough. Maybe that's why they left. They left because I'm not good enough. My parent isn't around because I wasn't good enough. Children don't have the capacity to understand anything outside of themselves really. So that can be where your anxious attachment stems from. Like a primary, the, Partners and friendships and other circumstances beyond the age of two can impact your attachment style. But primarily we form our attachment styles between the ages of not to two. And that's based on our connection with our first caregivers, which are generally our parents. So I guess that's our, a guess lot on an anxious attachment style. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good generalization, I think. Yeah. Um, that's what we both can identify as. So in previous relationships, we both recognize that we can be really anxious partners mm -hmm. and together we both can be. Yeah, we can sometimes. But sure. we have but... done the work. I hate that. Like, I'm going to put it in quotations. It's that, like, yeah. do the work. Like, yeah, it's, it's another ick. Yeah, but people kind of are like, okay, what does doing the work doing actually the work mean? Be. Like, yeah, so I hate to say that, but like yeah. before I even had developed any self-awareness, I could be very much an anxious partner. But since doing the work, we both have been doing the work, I guess. Um, we are more secure now. For sure. I think um, I think at the start of our relationship, I was a lot more of a secure space than you were. I feel you like think? You, yeah, I think so. Oh, I thought it was the opposite. That's funny. You really? Yeah. Well, maybe. I'm not saying no, I'm right. No, I think so. Well, because you avoided me for... Oh, yeah. Okay. Two yeah. years, essentially. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he's not my friend. Oh, maybe he is. I love my, him. Maybe I love him. No, I was just thinking oh. about how, like, if, um, oh, there was like a few times where you would say, oh, like, you're, you're quiet. Are we, are we okay? I'm just checking that we're okay. Or I remember you saying to me, like, I'm sorry if I am a bit much and I'm leaning in. I just uh, sometimes have anxious traits. And I didn't even think that at the time, but I thought that was great communication from you anyway. Yeah. But I just remember those kind of comments. But you think that I was more... Oh, no, I was more avoidant. Is that what you're saying at the beginning? I think you're maybe more avoidant or... I definitely was. I think you're maybe... Yeah, I think you're maybe a more avoidant in the very start. That's not my then. attachment style, though. I think I was just... You're exhibiting the behaviour. Yeah. Because I Because you're blinded scared. by... There's your... a magnificent man in front of me. I mean, would you not, right? <laughs> would you not? 
<laughs> wow. Um, we need to talk about what avoidant yeah. is so people so, actually know what we're on about. Exactly. So this is a good lead on to avoidant dismissive. So um, quite typically, these guys have had like a negative, like emotional start with their parents um leading back to childhood yeah potentially quite neglectful yeah um, and they kind of learned to be quite self self-sufficient and independent because they learned from an early age that their needs were probably not going to get met mm -hmm. and so they learned to fear trusting someone else because mm -hmm. when they've done that in the past it hasn't worked out for them yeah. and they've been let down and that obviously is what is in our hardwiring is to fear rejection and abandonment so mm -hmm. for them they have learned that the only way to not get abandoned is to do it themselves yeah. essentially so that's what's known as an avoidant person how that plays out then into adulthood do you want to talk about it i think in adulthood it sort of makes a lot of the ceos and stuff like that um who run really multifaceted companies and i think they exhibit avoidant behavior because they generally anyway have been super hyper focused on independency and you know creating something for themselves doing it on their own and i think that's come from a place of neglect in childhood because they're always trying to strive for more and they're always trying to prove something to not only themselves but to other people um to prove their worth to prove their worth yeah and i think relating it back to relationships and um, what typically happens with avoidant people whenever say for example an anxious attachment style and a avoidant attachment style get together you'll see the anxious attachment style leaning in like we've spoken about texting and um being quite forward with their thinking their thoughts their feelings you'll quite typically see the avoidant then pulling back and pulling back and pulling back because it feels so unfamiliar for them to feel that sort of love or behavior from someone else mm. they think they tend to just run from it they run from it because they think that they're doing the right thing by preserving themselves um instead of letting someone else in because to, they live their life yeah they've learned that from when they were younger yeah so when they were younger if they depended on someone else they got let down and rejected so it's just playing out the same kind of pattern in their in their adulthood if I let you in and close you might reject me and hurt me like what happened when I was young therefore I'm just gonna keep you at a distance keep you at an arm's length you'll probably know like you will you'll have dated someone and you'll be able to tell they're keeping you at arm's length they're not really letting you in and you yeah. can tell that it's coming from a place of fear I remember reading this statistic before actually and I'm not even going to quote the number because I'm probably just going to pull out my ass but yeah. it was something along the lines of like 80% of people on dating apps are avoidant. And that doesn't mean that they're bad people, but it's just a way of an avoidant person keeping people at arm's length because they can tell you what they want to tell you on a dating app. They don't have to commit to a date if they don't want to. They can commit to a date and then ghost you and mm. carry on the cycle again with someone else from the dating app. Yeah. So it's quite a high number of people on dating apps that are uh, avoidant people because that's a, a way that they get to, as I said, keep their mask up and keep people at arm's length but still get to like dabble in the experience of, you know, considering a connection with someone because they do actually want to be connected to someone yeah. underneath both the attachment styles, even though avoidance, it may seem like they're avoiding the connection and anxious people are leaning into the connection underneath both of those attachment styles, the anxious and the avoidant is a fear of rejection. 
the anxious is leaning in to gain your closeness because they don't want you to leave. Yeah. And the avoidant is leaving because they're scared that if they get close, you'll leave. So underneath it, really, we're both equally, I say we, because we're yeah. more anxious than other people are. For sure. More avoidant. But underneath it all is just like a desperate need for connection, but an absolute like pit, like in your pit of your tummy, fear of rejection and abandonment. So I think it's quite easy to look at avoidant people as the bad guys. And to, I, I know that they do get quite a bad rap, especially on social media as well. I'm always seeing things about how these, these avoidant men or these avoidant people, you know, it's, there's a lot of quite like, sh there's a lot of shaming around it. Yeah. But underneath that, it's just a person that is so freaking scared of being close to someone and being rejected that they are choosing to protect themselves. That's all it is. It's a yeah. coping mechanism that they've devised from a very early age to keep themselves safe. So yeah. I think if we can look at it with a little bit more compassion, and less judgment uh it allows us to i guess to see them for the person that they are and not for their coping mechanism that coping mechanism is what's kept them feeling safe yeah and that's all the hard to do really isn't it is to keep ourselves alive and exactly. safe exactly that's all we ever want to do yeah be alive <laughs> and safe i think so yeah yeah so there's secure and then the three insecure attachment styles so we've talked about anxious We've talked about avoidant. Is there anything more to say on avoidant attachment styles? You'll, you'll no, because we're leading into the second. The yeah. yeah, but I'm just trying to think. Is there anything more that on disorder on the avoidance side of things? They pull away, fear closeness, mm -hmm. avoid difficult conversations. Difficult, yeah, like it's really hard for them to sit in their emotions or have an emotional conversation, talk about feelings. Generally speaking, you know that's really difficult yeah. for someone that has an avoidant attachment style. Fear closeness. So as Lewis explains, there's the anxious avoidant trap, mm -hmm. is what it's called, where the yeah. anxious will lean in. And the avoidant will pull away, meaning the anxious person leans in more, meaning the avoidant pulls away even more. And it just becomes this vicious cycle of like leaning in and pulling away when no one's really win winning, no one's getting their needs met. No. And it's extremely painful. I've been in that trap in a previous relationship yeah. and it really hurts. And it would be really hurting both parties because everyone is feeling rejected and abandoned or fearing that at the very least yeah. and not getting the connection and feeling seen and the space that they need and that they should be allowed to have. So it's yeah. a really, really, really painful trap. And we'll talk about how that can play out in a little bit more detail, but it we'll is. go on to speak. I don't really know as much about this last attachment style because it's not really one that comes up much, especially in like social media when you hear yeah. people talking about attachment styles, but it's known as the disorganized attachment style or the fearful avoidant is another term for yeah. it. Um, sorry, just before we jump into that, I just want to go back to our previous conversation about the anxious avoidant trap. Mm. And I think if you are in that situation, one way that you could get around it is by opening up a space of safety to actually communicate um, how you're feeling. But it, this has to happen from both parties. It has to be reciprocal um when it comes to that conversation so you can actually figure out what's actually going on so you if you're ever in that situation where you feel like you're leaning in leaning in and your partner's pulling back pulling back try and just open up a line of communication whatever that may look like to your relationship and you guys and um, to sit down and have an open and honest and heartfelt conversation around it you'll probably find that things are gonna um open up and change for you in that way yeah i think on the flip side there is also the risk that the avoidant would find that absolutely terrifying and petrifying so i think you'd have to wait for a moment to have that conversation where both of you aren't 
in your state of pushing and pulling you know you've kind of moved through that or you found a little bit of peace for that for a minute and you're not both um sort of triggered or in that current push-pull dynamic to then be able to talk about it because I think if an avoidant is in the state of avoidance to think about sitting and talking about their feelings would probably feel quite unsafe and quite threatening so I think yeah that's like the best way to go about it, it is, but only yeah. when both of you are regulated and not in that state of like push-pull heightened sort of fighting for the connection or the space that you're seeking yeah of course and I think with the anxious side of things on that I think you have to really make sure that you're not taking any of it to heart um with whatever the avoidant is saying or doing or just really try and pull back a little bit if you can to avoid this trap and becoming that vicious cycle that we've spoken about but um Anyway, we will move on to the disorganized avoidant. Yeah, that one generally stems from mostly childhood trauma, to be honest, it or quite is, significant neglect. Yeah, it's almost what it, what it is is when a child, for example, is growing up in a household that is really dysregulated or unregulated. Um, typically unsafe, yeah, and chaotic. Yes, yeah, super chaotic is probably the best word to use for this. Um, in terms of maybe one parent is, say, for example, an alcoholic and they sober up for a couple of days, show you all the love. And then within the next couple of days, they start regressing and um, get back onto the alcohol. And that is a vicious cycle that the child is growing up in. Now, that's very chaotic and there's different um. I think coming from what am I trying to say? I think, yeah, it's a very chaotic environment to grow up in and to try and have the polarity from nice and not from a primary care caregiver can, well, well, it does lead to a disorganized avoidant trait, which means the neglect side of things, they feel neglected pretty much all of the time. Yeah. It's, it's, it generally is like a chaotic, abusive kind of household that people would have grown up in mm-hmm. uh, where it actually feels unsafe and scary so it causes quite an that's why it's called disorganized because as an adult how that plays out is that you you really 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 want the closeness but you're absolutely petrified of it because it's come as a threat to you so there's there's very hot and cold hot and cold behavior I think a lot of I think this would be generally perceived as quite narcissistic behavior mm. um, and my understanding is that people that are quite abusive in relationships have been found to be like the disorganized attachment style, essentially. Yes. Um, so it's a tricky one. I don't know, like it's not something that we are entirely across because we haven't come across that in relationships ourselves. We don't identify with ourselves. It's oh, not one of the more commonly talked about attachment styles, but it is one of the three uh, insecure attachment styles. Yeah. So we actually wanted to go on to talk. Oh, did, you, did you have anything else? No, not on? at all. Sorry, I just said yeah for no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chichi baby. Chichi snuggled in next to us. Sleepy girl. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we wanted to talk about, I guess, like how it's played out in previous relationships for us and in our relationship. And yeah, just give a little bit of like our experiences on how attachment styles have have actually molded us I know I think looking back to my childhood we were actually doing that the other day I haven't had like a significant moment in my childhood that sticks out for me that would then warrant a specific 
attachment style. Mm. So it was really difficult for me to then pick up like what attachment style I actually was. And what I've then been led to believe or the evidence has showed me is that I can be quite easily led in relationships and partnerships. Now, that stems from a constant people-pleasing tendency that I know I've got, but which then leads into an anxious attachment style. Now, in one of my previous relationships, my partner was also an anxious attachment style, but also quite manipulative and made it was very guilt-driven. So any decision that was made, it was made out of, for me, it was made out of fear for making the other person unhappy or sad or I like I would compromise myself so much for them. And I think that comes from an anxious attachment style. Now, how that played out, well, not very well, obviously. So <laughs> that, I'm so grateful that didn't work out. Sorry, but I'm just glad. <laughs> that dysregulated my nervous system for, I don't know, about six years I was single for. Um, you met the love of your life. Until I met the love of my life. Who is she? I don't know. <laughs> oh. <Is her> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how it sort of played out in my life. And leading into that six-year period um, where, like, post-relationship, I went away and really tried to study what actually went wrong. And even now, maybe not now, sorry, up until uh, we started our relationship. <laughs> You're backpedaling here. Yeah, what are you about sorry. to say? Oh, right. <laughs> oh. What have you just dropped yourself in? No, I've dropped myself in. Like, Up until it... now, I was still in love with it. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> oh my God, I love her. I'm joking. Um, up until now, up well, up until the start of our relationship, I had a tendency of letting women wrap oh. their fingers around me no wrap you around no, their fingers. wrap me around their fingers <laughs> we, i got I, you yeah, thanks um wait what was it again i'll wrap my fingers around you sarah <laughs> i don't know if that's a naughty thing or like you're gonna hit me so hug you oh oh right what <laughs> um yeah so they would wrap their fingers around me is that the quote yeah and I would literally, I would literally do anything, uh, anything for them. So I would, I don't know, whatever they said, I would just go and do without hesitation. Oh, I that. And you've got that <laughs> once a month. Oh yeah. Once a month. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's that's sort of what that stemmed from. And then after that, I've really worked hard on making myself the most secure partner. And by doing that, all I, I say all I did, but what I did was really just focus on myself and my own happiness. And I managed to build myself up to such a, well, the person I am today by, and then look where that's led me into the love of my life. Because I wouldn't have been able to be in a happy, secure relationship if I hadn't have gone through that. Yeah. So that's how it sort of played out in my... I was just thinking about that relationship. You're saying that you were both anxious. Yeah. Or had the tendency to be anxious and and an anxious person can come across as quite controlling and jealous. That's another quality of an anxious person if they haven't healed their yep. pattern. Yeah. 
And I'm just noticing that you're mentioning you were both anxious. However, her anxiousness and sort of manipulation and controlling this actually ended up leading to you becoming a bit more avoidant. You mentioned earlier before we started recording that you were pulling away then because you were needing space from her kind of control and her manipulation. Yeah. So it's interesting how an anxious person can, you can change attachment style essentially within a relationship. You can lean more towards another style that isn't your usual kind of go-to depending on who yeah. you're with and I was relating to that but I don't want to change the subject you're still talking about yours no I'm done thanks <laughs> try not to butt in and uh and change the subject because that's something that I'm working on <laughs> I've lost my train of thought okay so let's <laughs> let's talk about your attachment style okay so talk to me talk to us about how your or a previous relationship played out and how you dealt with the attachment styles not only of yourself but your of your previous partner or one of the previous I think what's important to note is that no one's really to blame so it's not like well you know the expression what came first the chicken or the egg the egg no really sorry there's no rules oh oops <laughs> well there's no conclusion to that theory god the dog's breath stinks Sarah. she just i'm sorry Leave her alone, look at her. She just yawned and it stinks. So yeah, there's no one to blame. It's not like the avoidant person leaned away and therefore the anxious person leaned in and it's the avoidant person's fault for pulling away. Like it's hard to determine who started it first really and it's not a competition. You both have to fess up and admit that you have played a role in the dynamic within your relationship if you are in an anxious avoidant relationship like I have been previously. So at the time in... A previous relationship I was very much the anxious partner that would kind of lean in seek closeness anytime that they wanted space just because they wanted space with no reason I just could not wrap my head around that I was like but why like is it me why do you not want to spend time with me have I done something wrong have I said something oh my god maybe you know maybe I'm too much maybe that's it I'm too much maybe I'm not enough like all these different kind of questions that I would have running around in my mind when they just wanted a little bit of space and that's absolutely fine. Like now I feel like I would be more than comfortable with that, but being a very anxious partner at the time, I was not. And so all that leaning in and questioning in my mind, and even if I hadn't said anything to my partner at the time about those questions in my mind of like, oh my God, am I good enough? There would have been gestures that I would have been making or ways that I would have been phrasing things that would have been coming across as though I was being more needy after those moments. And that would have caused that partner to then pull away. But at the time, I just thought, why are they pulling away again? Like, they're the bad person. They're the one pulling away. Like, this is terrible. This is their fault. Like, they're the one that's making me more anxious. Why don't they just... And to be fair, like, they weren't communicating what they needed, really. They were just kind of pulling away and not really saying I need space in, like, an articulate, reasonable, fair way. So that made me feel even more anxious. And it just becomes a vicious cycle. So what I did to combat that was... This is actually based on our top tip of the week. So we will come back to it in a bit more detail, but I actually read the book called Attached, which is literally completely about attachment styles and how you can make yourself more of a secure partner. So I spent, why are you looking at me like a freak? I'm just looking at you. Oh, okay. So I spent like probably about six months to a year in that previous relationship, trying to make myself a more secure partner, trying to understand my attachment style, how it played out, what triggered it, but primarily trying to make myself more comfortable with who I am and trust myself more and love myself more because I think that someone that really stands in their worth and knows their worth and has high self-esteem is less likely to be triggered by someone that needs a little bit of space so I spent a lot of time really really focusing on that and being that person and thinking what would a secure person do 
in this situation? How, this is the question that I used to ask myself, how would a secure person respond? And I used to try and think of friends that I had that were secure and that were in secure relationships. And I used to think, what would they say? How would they respond in this situation? And I really tried to focus on that. And I thought, right, if I can make myself more of a secure partner, hopefully that will then in turn lead to my partner at the time being more secure as well, because I'll be be leaning in less and be perceived as less needy and therefore they will feel the need to pull away less. I do believe that it is possible for that to work. However, I just think in some circumstances, you do need both people to come to the party. There's not really any rules with it, but what I found really interesting about the book Attached that I read was that at the end of the book, it said, if you have done all of this work that we have recommended, which I did, and you still don't feel like you're in a secure partnership and your partner is still not coming to the party, end the relationship. And it was the most specific, explicit advice I'd ever been given in a book about relationships. I feel like a lot of the time people kind of pussyfoot around that saying that. Just going to say pussyfoot. As yeah. You said that. And, and they're just too scared to say your relationship's shit and it's not going to work. So yeah. I was like, oh my God. I was like, took, I was taken aback by that Super level of, blunt. yeah, like it's not going to work. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, I don't think it is. And I actually ended my relationship, but there was a lot, lot of things that we both found really difficult in that relationship. But that was the primary reason was that my attachment needs were never going to get met. And because our attachment styles are based on like our survival needs and they can feel extremely painful when they're not being met or those needs aren't being met. Like, why would you want to spend time in a relationship and commit to it for forever when you know you're going to constantly be feeling that suffering and feeling that hurt and that rejection and that pain over and over? I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to commit to that if this person isn't willing to commit to at least trying to work through it with me. So I ended that relationship off the back of that book, Yeah, which is, yeah, one of the reasons why we wanted to recommend that as part of our tip of the week. Isn't yeah, sorry. Should we go to tip of the week now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do that. So that leads very nicely into tip of the week. So tip of the week, both of us have read that book that Sarah mentioned, Attached by Amir Levine. Yes. And it honestly changed the way I look at every single relationship. It's one of the reasons why it gave us inspiration for the not only this podcast, but um, we've used it in our personal life. Yes. Um, private life, even to navigate friendships, businesses, and Talk previous, about the TV. previous partners. And <laughs> yeah, one, one of the other top tips that I had as well, uh, following on from reading this book. Please read the book. Yeah, please read the book. Or listen to it if you listen to audiobooks. Yeah. And then what to do is go around t- like famous TV shows that you watch all the time. So say, for example, I took friends. So even last night, we were talking about what attachment style everybody from friends exhibited. And we we pulled Ross out and he's a clear anxious attachment <laughs> style. And then because he's gone out with Rachel, she is a clear avoidant, um, which is really interesting. So go about reading observing the book, it, yeah. observing, and then trying to dictate what attachment styles suit which people in TV shows. And then you can apply that knowledge to your friends, even your family. Um, but once you see it, you can't, can't unsee see it. it. Yeah, that's it. It's really difficult to like break away from that. Yeah. But you, it will give you a lot more knowledge and understanding as to why maybe some previous relationships didn't work out and why um, some friendships didn't work out or they did work out. So yeah, 
the goal though is to try and make yourself as much of a secure person as possible essentially because secure people have happier healthier longer lasting relationships and actually more improved health as well because people that are in happier relationships have significant higher markers on their health yeah camera nervous systems i'm just thinking about it now i i work with families i work in child protection and i actually work now with the parents on building a healthy secure attachment with their children to help them raise their children to be secure secure, yeah and for them to be secure adults but it's really interesting looking at it from like the parenting perspective oh sure kids are going to be lucky they're going to be so freaking secure but yeah it's just really interesting to see it from the parenting perspective like I can observe and I have to observe what they're doing that is leading to their child acting out and having behaviors we would call them but acting out in more insecure ways yeah that's just really interesting I was just thinking about that there that is quite an interesting one. Mm. All right, so weird moment of the week. Oh, yeah. Is it, are we doing weird moment of the week or is there something else that we've missed? No, we're doing weird Oh, wait, no. Look, this, 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 pick, pick the pie of pineapples. Are we doing that every week now, are we? Yeah, not okay. what we said, unless you don't want to now. He's not being integral. He said, and now he's changed his mind and he's not, and I'm joking. <laughs> Sarah, why are you blaming me? Oh, dear. I'm joking. No. So we, our, our tip for everybody else was pit peak papaya and pineapples last week. Yeah, but weren't we going to do that on, on the show every week each? So we could do it other week, yeah. It's for like sure. pit of the week, papaya of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my pit of the week was... I think I was feeling really run down. I think it was Wednesday, wasn't it? it was Wednesday. I was feeling really run down in the evening. I was really tired. We fell asleep super early on the Wednesday. And yeah, I think just the feeling of feeling run down and having a lot of a lot of things on at the moment. And we're both generally quite busy people. Um, so yeah, I think that was my pit. And then my peak was managing to... Oh, I had a couple of peaks actually last week. I had a really yeah. good week. You had a good um, Friday. Was it Friday? Mm. Thursday. I had a really good Thursday because one of my friends who is a photographer, he asked me to jump on a shoot, which I've never done before, and um, model for something that's coming out soon. Model. Model. Boyfriend oh. is a model. So yeah. God. I did that for a couple hours, which is something I've never done in a step. Dune? Dune? <laughs> Something I've never done. <laughs> something I've never done. So really stepping out of my comfort zone and did that and got paid for it, which is great to drive around and jet skis, which is good. So um, that was a really big peak, peak for me. Um, papaya. So papaya is the weird, different, interesting. Yeah, but we've got weird moment of the week anyway, don't we? So we will will we do weird moment of the week in papaya? Yeah, okay. Okay, so my weird moment of the week for you, I've written it down. Where is it? Did you forget it? I have to write things down yeah, all the time because my memory right. isn't the best. Okay, My so memory is getting better. My memory is getting better. That, that okay. should be a story. So because I'm in the women's health space, I've got a really good tell of where of like where Sarah is and in her cycle. So when Sarah's estrogen starts to get higher and higher, like post-period, um, it's so evidential to the point where she tries to kiss me, which is cute as fuck. But uh, with her mouth agape like a wizard's uh, sleeve. That's what I've written down. Mouth agape like a wizard's sleeve. So massive. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> you don't know what mo- <laughs> movement I just I just like mind. look at you with these like weird eyes like mm, come here you it's like a come hither eyes yeah like you know like on cartoons when they have like hearts in their eyes and it's like oh, that. yeah that that's the exact eyes I'm looking at and then I just like I just want to snog his face off like yeah I just I just want to eat your mouth yeah so I think just... that that was my weird moment. Of yeah, you looked very concerned when I came yeah. out. You like that. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh my God. You just backed you off. I was like, swallowed... objection. <laughs> you almost swallowed me. And then what are your, should we do three pineapples or three three, three things that three you're grateful for? Three things I'm for. Um, I'm grateful for my friend taking me on that shoot and thinking of me. I'm grateful for the company I reached out to who I've now went into partnership with. Mm. And I am grateful for you being my forever solid rock and supporting me. You got you. What is your peak? Pet peak What would be my pit of the week? Oh, you were supposed to tell me my pit. No. <laughs> Is that not how this works? I'm not responsible for you. You're responsible for you. Oh, you got me good. <laughs> Carry me. Oh, no. I'm good. I think my pit would be... My nan's not very well. She's in hospital. Mm-hmm. So I think just dealing with all the emotions that come up with that, that was quite sad this week. Dad's going to be coming out to visit in March, which will be super exciting, but we may have to postpone our trip. So yeah. that was quite a sad revelation this week. That would probably be my pit, I reckon. Yeah, yeah it's not nice to deal with. No, especially not being so far away on the other side of the world. No. My peak, what would be my peak? Having Friday off, like Friday was a public holiday, and even though Australia Day is not a day that we celebrate, it is a day of great loss and sadness for the First Nations people of Australia. But it was really nice to just have a day that I guess we would consider a free day. Like we didn't really have any plans. We just trained, got some coffee, did some shopping, went for a walk, like watched loads of movies, played like, I don't know, you're just having a day where you don't have any plans. It kind of felt like it was just a free day, like a cheat day almost. Yeah, it was nice actually. Yeah, I love that day. And like having a long weekend, like hell yeah. It feels like a Sunday and today is Saturday my papaya which would be my weird moment of the week (laughs) so you just got this habit I don't know why you do it but it's a stupid thing where you it's like basically at Christmas time I love Christmas music I binge it I like will listen to Michael Bublé's album back to back but then literally boxing day I'm like don't freaking play Michael Bublé or Christmas songs for another 360 days a year I don't know just, I don't want to hear until next Christmas. But for some reason, we have a Google pub thing. So, like, you can shout, like, hey, Google, play something, something. So, I'll just be, like, eating dinner, having a conversation. And then Lewis will just shout out, hey, Google, play Michael Bublé Christmas album. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I couldn't think of anything worse than listening to Michael Bublé, like, <laughs> end of January. 38 degree it's, heat. It's 38 degree heat. Like, I'm just eating my dinner. And I don't want to hear it. And then, because it comes on so loud on the Google speaker thing... When I'm saying like, hey, Google, stop. Like, he can't even hear me. So then I'm just having to endure Michael Bublé Christmas songs until I can like run over to the home hub and turn it off. And he thinks it's hilarious. And I don't know why. I just freaking hate Christmas music after Christmas. It's so funny, though. It's not funny. Yeah. Okay, it kind of is. But I'm like, why? It is. And then you'll sing it and then it's in your head. And then I have to listen to you singing it. And have a holly, oh, jolly Christmas. <laughs> it's time. Sorry for anyone that's triggered by Christmas songs in January as well. I'm not sorry. Well done for triggering all the listeners. 
So yeah, that's uh oh, I have to do my my pineapple. Yeah, because... thanks for grateful for me. Oh, you're expecting me to be grateful for you, are you? I was grateful for you, so it's yeah. a facto. We have to do the same thing. Oh, there's an expectation here that I'm going to be grateful. Zero for you. expectation, darling. I just you just made an expectation. <laughs> do we need to talk about the expectation? Does that mean that two gratefuls have to be something else, and one has to be for the other person? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. But that's the way I did it. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's clearly an underlying expectation, <laughs> an unspoken expectation. Wow. Anyway, so my three gratefuls this week. I'm really grateful for. Hmm, what am I really grateful for? I don't know. My life in Australia, like it's really hard being away from family. I, you cannot deny that. Anyone that lives away from home will completely understand how difficult it is to live away from your family and friends. But I'm really grateful for the life that we get to live here and the life that we've created. We literally both came here with nothing. And now we have just got this beautiful life that we get to share together. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Yeah. I'm also really grateful for technology because that allows us to stay connected it means we can record this podcast we can like facetime friends and family yeah. we can like use our online banking we can use our calculator on our phone take photos and take videos and create memories and like access help online or information or listen to music like it's just technology is actually such a great thing and i think it's got such a bad rap but if it's used in the right way i think it can really enhance our lives and i'm actually really grateful for it so Cool. And the third thing I have to say, my boyfriend, because he mm. was like literally twisting my arm um, when we were talking and saying, in whispering into my ear in a really toxic way, like, you better stay in your house. So there's me saying that I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> Sarah, oh, that hurt my feelings. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for hitting your feelings. It's okay, continue. I'm really grateful for Lewis this week. <laughs> That's my boyfriend. Because he just rides the wave of my hormone cycle with me. And we'll touch on this in a whole other episode, but it's definitely the thing that I didn't know I needed in a partner was someone that has an awareness of a woman's cycle and how that just comes with different like energy levels and different like amounts of capacity that a woman might have in certain parts of their cycle. And his awareness is profound and it's had a profound impact on our relationship and on, yeah, I guess our overall happiness so I'm really grateful for that, actually. And ladies, it's definitely something to consider is trying to find a partner that has an awareness of the women's cycle or trying to support your partner to understand it better. Because, yeah, we can be a little bit irritable sometimes. Uh, a little bit, excuse me, um, <laughs> super affectionate other times. Yeah. And that's just what it is to be a woman. So, yeah, I'm super grateful for that. And one more grateful from the both of us. If you are listening to our third episode of the Discussing Your Healthy Relationship podcast, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so freaking much. Yeah, we do appreciate all the love that we've had over the past couple of weeks. Um, and it's going to continue throughout the year. So let's make it bigger than ever. Uh, we really want to hear from you guys as well. So uh, jump into the description and grab our email. So if you've got any questions at all regarding us, our relationship, your relationship and how to cultivate a, an actual healthy relationship, then let us know. And we'd love to be able to help. And we'd love to have you on the show, really. That you're about to hear all of that again in the outro because we've added that into our outro, but now you've said it again. So now they're going to listen to it again. But that's okay. Okay. <laughs> if you're not already sick of the sound of our voice again already, then you can hear it again now. Bye.
Hi. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you so bloody much. You are the best. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple or Spotify, whatever you prefer. And don't forget to check out the Instagram page at TDHR Podcast. Information on how you can invite your questions into us will also be in the show notes. Till next time. Mwah.